the LCS is in fact back. Riot and the LCSPA seems like we're all getting along now, and now we're going to have super weeks all the way through summer. Um, although we were pretty sure LCS was going to happen, we weren't 100% sure that it was going to happen. So this is kind of like a, a sigh of relief moment. And fortunately, um, things went the way most of us were hoping it goes. And then obviously we have to discuss who won the negotiations. We will get into that this episode. We'll talk a little bit about the double lift and I will dominate stuff just so we're not ignoring it, even though it's not like huge drama. And then we got some disguised toast stuff to talk about, some quick news, lots of stuff. We're going to revisit the power rankings. All of this in episode 128 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and JNT250. Jinter, let's start with who won the negotiations. I'll give you the first word on this one. Well, do you want to read them all out first or give our opinions uh, first? We can go one by one if you want to do that. I, there's no specific way we have to do it. Well, I guess we'll go through the agreed upon terms. And I think there are... I guess in my books, there are some some key points to take away from a few of these. But okay, let can, can we go one by one though, so that we're not like just blabbering on. For yeah, yeah, it's kind of long. Okay, so go ahead. So the first one, uh, an additional three hundred thousand for the remainder of the twenty twenty three split between all ten NACL teams. Now, I believe this was in addition to the already previously committed three hundred k from the previous, uh, you know, riot slash LCSPA announcement when they postponed the league. So. Obviously good for the NACL when they're going to get even more money. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not the most money in the world. It's, you know, 30K for each team. That's not the most, but better than nothing. See, I thought that was the same 300K. I thought it was an an additional. So let me just read what the LOL Esports article says here. It says a new NACL business model in addition to the previously committed 300K that shares revenue between the tournament operator and participating teams to drive towards long-term sustainability. So to me, I think that's still the same 300K. I want to go see what, like, I guess thinking of that now, I got to see what the LCSPA, like their, what their wording was. Yes. And, and maybe and I got this baited. Is the part, this is the same thing that happened. Oh, not the exact same thing, but this is almost the same thing of what happened the first time when the LCSPA put out their demands and there was some confusion. Now we've got two different articles with two different wording, I guess. Um, but to me, it's still the same 300K, but like it's, I don't know, I guess it's better than nothing. It's just like they had already committed to this, you know? Yeah, I guess, I don't know. In the wording of the LCSPA tweet, it says, here's a summary of the agreed terms since our walkout vote. So when they say since our walkout vote, I guess I would, I kind of assume that to be after the fact. So like these are all terms that weren't previously agreed on. So these are new terms. So maybe it is the same thing. But once again, I, I think the language is a bit... Not the greatest. Which comes to about 6k per player, honestly, over the course of just summer. So that's like, technically, it would be like 12 grand a year per player for any It's not a lot. Let's be frank. It's not a lot of money, but it's better than nothing, right? So to me, this isn't anything crazy. Uh, the second one was 50% of all future NACL sponsorship revenue will be shared with the NACL teams. You and I were kind of talking before we went live about this, about like, well, how much is the NACL sponsorship revenue to begin with? Probably not that much. But this kind of same as the first point, it's like it's something, even though it's not very much again, honestly. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I did like a quick little comparison between an average NACL game and then an LCS game because obviously the majority of people who are listening are avid LCS viewers and watching the LCS each week, you know that there's a certain style of how they integrate the sponsorships into the broadcast. You know, there's there's stuff that happens during the game with banners on the rift and there's the little scrolling thing on the bottom left hand side which has Verizon and whatnot and during important matches they'll pull up tweets that are sponsored by Verizon and 
you know, there's the State Farm or Honda ads that play in between games. But when I went over and looked at one of the NACL games, they don't really have that same sponsorship integration where they're running dedicated sponsor advertisements. They really only have the little running ticker in the bottom left. So while it's obviously still a good thing that NACL, you know, players and teams will get rewarded with, you know, 50% chunk of that sponsorship revenue, you can tell that there isn't as much commitment to those sponsorships as the LCS. But once again, better than nothing. Yeah. And then the next one is NACL has a team participation agreement in 2024. So uh, I guess that's like, to me, this was like uh, an understanding that like teams have to sign something to be like, this is how we're going to treat players. Like this is how we're going to treat players fairly. So this to me was a good thing. Although I, I still don't have a full understanding of exactly what this means because I've never seen a team participation agreement. And so I don't know exactly the wordage that is in these agreements. Yeah, I kind of both this point about the team participation agreement and the last point, which talks about the memorandum of understanding between the LCSP and Riot. To me, those feel like um, moves that were created to sort of identify or create a paper trail for 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 the actions that have been going on of all these decisions that get made. Because I think one of the problems that we've seen throughout this entire process of the LCSPA versus Riot and the continued back and forth is there is really no concrete you know, picture in terms of how everything went down, how it was made out to where teams and players, well, I guess I shouldn't say teams and players, but you know, players were really kept in the dark about this whole thing up until it actually happened. And it feels like both this point about the team participation agreement and the, understand, the memorandum of understanding that we are getting a much more defined you know, system for, for these conversations and for these, you know, for these operations to take place. It's not something where the ball is kind of all in Riot's court here, because at least that's what it felt like both now and in the past, it was kind of up to Riot to make these overarching decisions and teams kind of just went along with it. But it does really feel now like this will be a bit more of a collaborative effort and we will sort of be able to identify certain individuals or certain teams and or players who could potentially be behind a lot of these you know pushes for for change whether good or bad yeah i agree and there's there's four more points that we're going to get through real quick but i think they all point to the kind of idea that you're getting at that like it feels like riot is respecting the players a little bit more uh, by evidence of in this one the next one it says minimum 30-day severance for uh severance pay for termination without cause for any player earning up to 1.5 times league minimum salary, which I did the math is about 112 grand or 112.5, um, plus 15 day notice for any player competing on a visa. So that is also very good, especially for players. Uh, what I like about this, and I think there's another one later with in terms of like healthcare. What I like about this is it shows the LCS have, LCSPA rather has said multiple times over the last couple of weeks that like they value import players and like this isn't just about the North American players. This is a this is standing up for all the players within the league and i find these things are proof that like hey yes we do value these import players and we are fighting for them as well so that's what i like about those two the uh those two little small things yeah and, and a lot of this point you know uh, audibly from the players that we heard is that especially with the sort of notion of team houses going away in the lcs you know pretty much every single team no longer has a team house except for cloud nine the majority of players who come into the LCS, whether you are a, a new player or a returning player, most of these people are locking themselves into housing for up to a year. And mm -hmm. it can be very difficult for some of those players if the rug sort of gets pulled from underneath them very, you know, up to during or at the end of a split. So obviously 
getting a 30-day severance pay for termination without cause for all players who are around the minimum salary area, plus 15 days for all import players, regardless of their salary situation, is obviously going to make the players' lives a little bit easier and hopefully gives them that little bit of extra security and yeah, it's like a little bit of a safety net. Exactly. Hopefully it can maybe push their focus to fully be on their play and their profession if they're at all worried about, you know, their their living situation or what their future might look like. Yeah, and I'm just going to skip one. I'm going to skip one ahead here to the the next one that is teams take action to ensure all foreign players have mandated healthcare available to them when they first arrive in the US. That's the other one that I was referring to that is good for import players. Again, just another example of the LCS uh, PA standing up for all players, not just the North American ones. And then where was the one that I skipped here? Um, Number five. Players, uh, players and teams share equal representation on a committee to determine any future changes to the practice schedule. There was, uh, for those that don't remember or, or didn't know, there was a lot of discussion about uh, practice and scrim schedule this year. They've been trying out different things, and it seems to be pretty split on the players' opinions. It feels like the players will have more of a say into what the schedules look like rather than what seemed to have happened was they decided a new practice schedule, and then the players are just like, hey, not all of us like this. That's, that's the sense that I get anyway. That that's seemed like the same sense I got yeah. as well. And then the last one, which to me, I think this is probably the biggest one of all, is Riot and the LCSPA will sign an MOU, so a Memorandum of Understanding, that establishes meetings and notice par parameters to ensure all parties are aligned before any future decisions are locked and communications are made. Now, to me, this was one of the biggest reason reasons for the walkout in the first place. I know it was getting rid of the NACL that really... Um, was like the straw that broke the camel's back. But to me, it was that Riot was making these decisions without the player's involvement or say at the table, which to me, that's what this MOU is supposed to, it's supposed to tackle that issue. And to me, that's one of the best things that the LCSPA is getting out of uh, this whole list. To me, that's the biggest, even if most of these things are very small, that's the one that I think is like uh, Riot and the players and the teams coming together to be like, okay, this is where we messed up. Let's make sure this doesn't happen again. Yeah, I think both this point and the third point, probably in my books, were the two most important because it just sort of solidifies what has already been existing in a much more official and, I guess I'm trying to think of another word for it, but it just feels like it makes everything official. You know, things things are going to be documented. Things are going to be noted. People are going to be held responsible. There are going to be ways to ensure that things like this do not happen anymore unless it is the collective decision of both Riot you know, the teams and the LCSPA. Right, right. And we asked the start of the episode, like, which side won the negotiations? And I don't know if this is going to be a hot take. I feel like a lot of people are going to disagree with me here, but I actually do think the players and the LCSPA won the negotiations, not because they got a whole lot. I'm not pretending like they absolutely stomped on Riot here. But to me, they didn't really give up anything. Maybe I'm missing something. They suspended the, the, the league for two weeks, but got some stuff out of it. Whereas if they didn't walk out, like, like I guess what I'm saying is, what did they lose by walking out? Not, not a whole lot, or did they lose anything? Am I missing something? I think, the main, I think the main thing to point out is that there are two different timelines that are going on here. If we want to start one, the timeline of being from before this announcement was even made, Yes, obviously the players didn't come out on top because the, LC, the the NACL got destroyed. You know, it didn't get completely yeah. destroyed, but seven out of the ten teams pulled out. But if we take a look at it from the you know from the viewpoint of after the teams made that decision, then most definitely you know the players in the PA definitely won their side of the negotiations. So if That's we want to if we want to take it from the point that you know 
before any of this even happened, yeah, obviously the players are, are going to lose out here because, you know, 35 of them are no longer having jobs. But teams went ahead and made that decision already. That That is not something that the players had any influence on. And good that through these negotiations, a situation like this will not happen again. But you look at all the things that they were able to gain, both in terms of getting a bit of an extra security blanket and, you know, confidence in their ability to be in the U.S. if they're a foreign player and, you know, getting that severance pay if you're a guy who's around league minimum and you're worried at all about your financial security in the future or where you're going to live or how the hell you're going to survive, you get, you get, you know, an extra 30 days maybe. So, yeah, I, I think that's a really good distinction. I'm glad that you make it because that is something that I should clarify from the point of walkout. This seems like a plus for the players because if they didn't walk out, I don't think they get most of what's on this list. Maybe all of it. I don't know. And they don't get this stuff. So I think you got to give credit to honestly everyone involved here, including Riot. Riot, I think they're, the reason why they gave all of this stuff to the players is to me because I think they realized they messed up. They knew full well thanks to Doublelift, <laughs> that like the leverage the leverage was already on their side. And then thanks to Doublelift, it was even more on their side. I think Riot knew full well that they didn't really have to give up almost anything uh, if they wanted to, because they knew that most of the players wanted to play Summer Split and have their chance to fight for Worlds, right? So I think that they even gave more than they really needed to just because they realized it's the right thing to do. And I again, I know some people are going to be like, dude, what did Riot really give them? It's not much. I agree it's not much, but it's not nothing. And I think Riot could have given nearly nothing. Yeah, and, and kind of what you're saying, alluding to it from the Riot's, from Riot's perspective, like they're not really losers in, in the case of all this. Yes, I think they're losers yeah. because they've damaged their their reputation and their their image as you know being team-friendly and player-friendly and whatnot. Yeah, maybe that image is going to you know is getting repaired or has been slightly repaired due to these negotiations but you know from the outside looking in like riot didn't really have to do they didn't have to commit to a whole lot extra you know they literally mentioned their prime focus in their own statement they released with regards to the delayment of the lcs by two weeks was our primary focus is worrying about the team's future economic stability and with all these things that came into effect you know not really a whole lot of that is going to be affected. The only really monetary thing that teams probably lose out on is is the severance pay. And that should be something that was there to begin with in the first place. So again, a, pl a plus to the players. So I, I don't think there's a real loser, but you know the players still yeah. definitely won. Right. And the teams get to save because they don't have to pay for the, the, the challenger teams if they don't want to. The the one thing that I forgot to mention on the very first point, the 300k remain uh, for the remainder of the 2023 split is it doesn't say anything about 2024. And it's like, that's something where it's like, so when next year comes around, are you just going to give them nothing? Like, you know what I mean? Um we'll have to wait and see maybe riot's still trying to figure out how much money they want to invest in the nacl but it's not exactly promising that they're just offering something for now and might just completely ignore 2024 when it comes to funding that right the, the other um, thing that i even wondered if there's a world where like any teams come back into the nacl if their financial situation improves as an organization or they identify any number of players that they feel like will be worth, you know, the development and in, in the future. I guess one thing that I'm just now sitting here wondering is, are LCS teams going to be given first priority to return to the NACL if they choose to do so? Because, I mean, that's just literally that I've just thought about sitting here wondering, like, let's say if Cloud9 wanted to, could they just hop right back into NACL? Like, 
It's a good question. I, I would, would assume that they probably, would allow them to, but... Yeah, the reason why I would say they would allow them to is because just last split, there was 16 teams, so it didn't seem like there was a cap. Exactly, right now, yeah. There's only 10, so in theory, in theory, there's six available slots. Now, I don't know if eventually, let's say... Uh, paying for players to play NACL gets super, super cheap because all the players start going remote, right? And they're, the, the servers now are in Chicago. So people can play from home, whether wherever the hell they are. Maybe it gets like super affordable and like it's incredibly worth trying to go for those players because you could sign them to minimum contracts if they do make it to the LCS. Maybe you have a bunch of teams trying to get in and now all of a sudden you have like 20 teams in the NACL. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying it's possible. Then maybe they're looking to like cap the amount of teams in the NACL but it feels like for now there's no rush to cap the number. And so my guess, again, just a guess, would be that Cloud9, if they wanted back in, they probably could, and the same goes for the other LCS uh, orgs. I would have to guess. Yeah, sorry to bring this up again, but I kind of just thought about this again. But with mm -hmm. the 300K, you know, another agreed-upon term that you just mentioned was moving the servers back to Chicago and allowing players to play remotely. And they didn't mm -hmm. list that here, but once again, like the 300K was listed. So I still am a bit confused whether or not an additional 300K was granted or if it's that same 300K. Because in my opinion, if it's that same 300K, wouldn't you also reiterate all the other points that you kind of got to before the walkout, which includes, you know, players allowing to be remote and servers moving and whatnot? So I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, I'm sure. maybe I'm just here nitpicking everything and just looking like a complete dumbass. But I, know, I still feel like there could have been a little more clarity. I think, no, I think that's totally fair to, to wonder because as we've seen through most of this walkout process, there has been a lack of clarity. And I would say from, from most parties involved, right? Um, because I don't think the articles, either of the articles have been incredibly clear as to just what points they're trying to make. Um, real quick, the doublet versus Dom stuff. Uh, I just want to cover it mostly just because I don't want to pretend like we're ignoring it. I just don't think it was that crazy of drama, but basically, I think Dom was right. And I'll admit, I'm not the biggest I Will Dominate fan, but he basically called out, after Doublelift came out with his video, basically saying that um, he really wants to play Summer Split and that if he has to lose his Summer Split, then he doesn't really want to do the walkout anymore. Dom pointed out very fairly that like, hey, yo, um, this isn't a good thing to say. And Doublelift kind of just dismissed it that like, yeah, if you think I'm ruining the negotiations, that's a brain-dead take. But it's like, no, I think Dom actually kind of has a point there. And even though Doublelift pretty much seemed to think that it wasn't a big deal, I'm still on the side that I think what he did was really stupid. And I just think Dom has never held back from calling someone out. Yeah, it, it's. I think both of us still hold the same thoughts that we did originally when Doublelift did release that video where he was talking about his thoughts and opinions on the, the asks for the PA to riot and... I still I can't agree with Doublelift in saying that he did not damage the negotiations at all by making his public statements like he did because because he did damage the negotiations in hindsight. When when your biggest player in the whole league in terms of popularity and brand and whatnot is actively saying that if it comes to playing summer split or continuing the walkout, he's gonna play summer split. Yes, that does it doesn't completely destroy the LCSPA's position, but it will heavily damage it because one of your star players presumably has the same thoughts and opinions as other star players in the league and you know them wanting to continue you know a player like Doublelift or Blabber or Bjergsen if he was still here 
holds a lot more value and weight to the league than any random player on a bottom tier LCS team. Like, I'm sorry, that's just the truth to it, but yeah, you know, it does matter. I like that. That's the, that's the whole summary of it here. Like it does matter. These comments that you made. Yes. I think that it maybe got blown out of proportions a little bit, but still not wrong. Yeah. I think it was stupid. And the thing is, we'll never know. Like if he didn't, do that stream and didn't release that video or whatever maybe this list of agreed upon terms does look slightly different i think that the only people that will really know how much it affected were the people that were in the room during negotiations that will kind of have an idea as to whether that mattered or not yeah and i guess i guess in you know as a complete outsider who knows absolutely nothing if Doublelift didn't make those comments i still think this would have been relatively the same i do not think that there was going to be some like sweeping additional points that got put in because the LCS was really doing a great job, or the PA was doing a great job of pressuring Riot and the LCS by saying, like, no, we are standing firm here. Like, I, I truly do not think that that was the, the given scenario. Yeah, and again, we'll never know for sure, right? But let's let's kind of hope that that's the case. Uh, okay, so now with all this, there's going to be three matches every week, right? Like they said, so it's going to be Wednesdays now. So if we thought Thursday and Friday was already an experiment for last split, we're experimenting even more and having more weekday games, and they're all super weeks. Now, Jinter, I think you kind of know how I feel about this. Um, I've always said that the LCS, uh, one of the things that the LCS struggles with is making their product easy to consume. I've mentioned that many, many times. Now you're asking people if they want to follow their favorite team to commit like three days a week towards games. So I don't know how much this is going to hurt, but I don't necessarily see what else they could do um other than do super weeks and as big buster boy is amped in this in the live chat for super weeks i think all of the diehard lcs fans will absolutely love super weeks no problem there however for your more casual fans i do think this might hurt viewership a little bit honestly i mean in terms of the super weeks you know i would consider myself a diehard and i will admittedly say that before they did this in 2021 I was all for it. I was like, yes, give us those three days of games a week. But after a full year of it, I, I reverted to the opposite opinion. I thought it was just like a little bit too much. And yes, obviously, this is a special scenario where the season got delayed by two weeks. So we kind of are in a position where we have to play all Super Weeks to finish the season if we want to stay on track with the schedule of playoffs and Worlds and whatnot. So I don't have a problem with them being Super Weeks because that's the situation that we're in. And yeah, at, at, when it comes to... Would I prefer all of the weeks to be super weeks or just what we've had in the last year and a half? I would choose what we've had in the last year and a half. But I am a little bit surprised that the LCS or and, and Riot didn't take the opportunity potentially to implement the LEC regular season, the LEC split, just as an experiment. I feel like we'll probably reach this point again come the off season post worlds where we introduce the conversation of should the LCS adopt the LEC, you know, new format for their entire league because there was a lot of talk about that after lec winter happened and after lec spring happened and i feel like we're going to have that same conversation once again after lec summer happens and the big mega playoffs that they do after so i was a little bit surprised that they didn't take this opportunity to experiment and be like okay well let's just play like the single round robin you know group stage playoffs you know i thought that yeah, would also fit better within their timeline because the lec season they've been shorter than the lcs and it kind of just felt like the perfect time to put that in implement that in 
I would have to think on it more, but my instincts are that even though I don't, I agree with you, whereas like, I don't like the super weeks that much. I actually prefer the way we did it. Like you said, over the last year and a half, I think taking away half of the games would make it a little bit worse. I think is my instinct. Like I wouldn't want to watch a round Robin of just, um, uh, every team plays once. And then one of the teams just gets, you know, the boot or two of the teams rather just get the boot. If they have like a rough start to the split. So you're telling me you want to see more digging immortal schemes. That's not, here's the thing. It's not necessarily digging immortal. <laughs> fair, it's a fair point, but it's not oh, yeah. necessarily digging immortal. Like, what if the MSI hangover has a really bad effect, right? And now there's two teams that could possibly have the MSI hangover. Oh, that's that, an interesting point. That could have significantly, like, I know it's really hard to buy a world where Cloud9 and Golden Guardians finish ninth or 10th now. But it could happen if things really get bad from the MSI hangover. And maybe we'll have to see how that goes for LEC. Um, I, the weird thing is LEC is still starting after the LCS, eh? I mean, it, yeah, and then that's part because, because that. the season is so short. That's why I thought it might be a perfect opportunity for LCS to do it. But Yeah, but obviously it comes with, like, it's not that simple as as I think you get that that's what I'm trying to oh, yeah, point yeah. out is that it's mm -hmm. not that simple because... The MSI hangover could screw you pretty hard there, right? Whereas I would argue that as the split goes on, you and I are both going to project that Golden Guardians and Cloud9 should be better towards the end of the split rather than the start, just from what history tells us about MSI representatives. Yeah, I, I guess one thing that I will say is the way that the LEC formats the whole year, something like that scenario playing out like would kind of prevent that from happening because if you win a split or acquire enough championship points you know presumably the second seed team who goes to msi gets a lot of championship points you kind of automatically get seeded into like the big playoffs they have which is you know the world's determiners yes obviously in in this emergency scenario cloud nine and golden guardians get knocked out but i mean i assume they would sort of amend it slightly to make sure that scenario doesn't happen because in the lec picture like that scenario can't happen because if you win a split you're guaranteed to be in the playoffs for for world's uh spots on the line so mm, yeah but but i get your point and it would be kind of it, it would suck if we got into a scenario where we did that and then seen in our golden guardians finishes ninth or tenth and it's just gone well and maybe we see that happen in europe now right like it i don't know I, maybe not, it, it's like, not out of the realm of possibility i'll tell you that yeah, and I, I feel Especially like... with Mad Lions, like, they were... What were they? They were ninth in, in winter? Or, like, eighth or something? Yeah, they were... They're, like, you don't know what you're getting out of them. They could be all of a sudden really good, and they could be all of a sudden really bad. Like, that team is so, like... Oh, that, that also might just be a product of Europe. Like, any team could beat any team in the LEC, it feels like. Whereas, like, I just don't really see Immortals uh, beating Cloud9 on the regular, for example. Um, but, yeah... I guess what what I was going to ask you though is, let's say there's a world where G two does so, like G two. I know this is crazy, but where they do somehow finish ninth or tenth and they get knocked out. Do you think the LEC runs back the same format next year? Sorry, wait, say that again. If G two comes out into summer or out, they come out of MSI with the MSI hangover. They go into summer and they finish in the those two spots that don't move on. Do you think the LEC continues with this same format next year? Yeah, I think so. Because I See, mean, I would say no. I think they would be like, "Holy shit, what have we done? We completely screwed over our one of our most popular teams." No, but they 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 still go to the they still can qualify for worlds. It's not like they're out of worlds. Like they can't qualify for worlds or anything. Oh, that's true because of championship points and stuff, right? Well, yeah, because because yeah, I guess I mean, obviously, everyone people who are listening may not be as invested in LEC, but 
the way that the LEC is formatted, there's the the winter, the spring, and the summer split. And then there's a whole additional playoffs after that. So they're going to play LEC summer playoffs and then play like a big playoffs after that even. But even still, so so you're right. But even still, it would be really weird to have a team like G2 just not exist for like half of the summer split, right? Because there's the, I don't remember what the second round Robin is called or whatever. I mean, you start to do best can of three. Like, can I give you an example? Weird, right? uh, here, let yeah, me give you an example it. here. Season five. Yeah. Cloud9. They mm-hmm. had in spring, they were in finals, lost to TSM. High, yeah. you know, high left. We got incarnation slash Jensen, the whole high jungle with the Meteos thing. Like C9 was yeah, in. I remember. They didn't make playoffs. And then we didn't yeah. see them at all for like a month and a half until Gauntlet showed up and then they qualified for Worlds. So that would kind of be like what would happen if, for example, G2 didn't make it. It's like, yeah, they they wouldn't be in the rest of that summer split, but they'd still show up at the end when it came to qualifying for Worlds. So. Yeah, I, I get yeah. your point, but I think they've done a good enough job to prevent that from happening with the way that they formatted, where automatic split winners are guaranteed a spot in the world's like qualifier playoffs, and if you accrue enough championship, if you accrue enough championship points, regardless of how you finish, you know, in the three individual splits, if you have enough, you'll, you'll make it to the big playoffs at the end. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Fair enough. It would just be weird to see G two just be AFK for a while, right? It definitely and- would be weird considering they've been the best org in that region since season six. And I don't think now maybe knock on wood here, but I don't think there's a world where G2 would fall that far down, you know? And you said, like you said, maybe it's mad lions, maybe, Um, but would be quite strange. Um, Let's talk about the, the two week break, because I think talking about the MSI hangover, you could argue that this helps. I mean, off the top of my head, cloud nine and golden guardians, this two-week break might have been kind of a good thing in, in for some teams, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, it's two extra weeks that the teams who went to MSI are going to get to prepare on the new patch and scrim other teams because I think like we mentioned in our, you know, before the season got delayed and we we're talking about the power rankings and whatnot, there was only about a maybe a week a week's time from when the teams who would have been eliminated from MSI uh had to fly back to North America and then get ready to compete for the season. It, it was like a week, a week and a half. Like that is no time at all. I, I think mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, was it EG last year who publicly said like they had two weeks before they came back from MSI and summer was supposed to start. And they said like, yeah, we're just going to give our players a break and not scrim. I think it was EG, but yeah, I think you're right. They were just straight I, I up. Like, like I remember the burnout is too, like we need to pre- pre- preserve to prevent burnout. Like, we're not going to prep for the start of summer. And I don't think they started off that well, but they still finished. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Because I remember we started having the discussions about whether EG was even the best team anymore. Uh, whereas like, we definitely thought they were going into, um, going into MSI, obviously, right? If you just won the whole split, we were all like, oh yeah, EG's our best team. And then once they took the break and they were kind of struggling at the start of summer, which is normal, we all started having the, the normal questions that you have. But the other thing that I'll say is like, there's a lot of roster changes. Like in the LCS, there's a lot of rosters that are completely different now. And so you could argue that this two-week break helps a lot of the teams, right? Like CLG's different, EG's completely, oh, whoa, like whoa, a whoa. bunch of new players. I got to call you out. You said CLG. Yeah, CLG. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, but they're NRG now. <laughs> I'm going to still call them CLG. Oh, okay, no, no. CLG's different. We had this, we've had this discussion before where I'm calling them CLG. Um, CLG's different. Uh, who else is different? Um, Under T. 
EG, very different. 100 Thieves is different. Like, yeah, like there's a bunch of new teams, right? So you could argue that this two-week break actually is maybe just good for the league overall as far as like, you know, players not or players having time to gel or whatever. Maybe not for Team Liquid. Because maybe Okay, maybe this does hurt Team Liquid because they kept the same five and they went to um, uh, to Europe to boot camp and they were ready to hit the ground running in summer. And now it like kind of allows all the other teams to catch up to them maybe. What do you think about that? Well, I definitely think that it hurts. I've always said this, you know, the first four weeks of the regular season are always the most important for the bottom teams in the league because that's the best time when you can capitalize on the teams who are above you if they're making mistakes, they're not fully prepped for the season. And this extra two weeks that's going to be given to all the teams is probably going to hurt the bottom teams the most just because it's likely that the other more top teams will improve at a more rapid pace than them. And they're likely to not have as big of an advantage as they could have with the longer off season and gelling with a new roster and whatnot. So I think definitely in the, in the scenario of, you know, team liquid is a bit of a different case because yes, they were technically at bottom teams. They didn't make playoffs, but you know, I still think everybody perceives them as a good team. But as you mentioned, this kind of gives everyone else who may be changing up their roster a chance to catch up. Yeah. And, and I don't want to pretend like this two weeks is the biggest thing. Like this is, Oh my God, this is going to completely change the league. But I would, I don't like, I do think it has an effect, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'd, I I'd think that put it that anywhere between like 10 to 15% that teams might get in a boost of performance with the, the two week break, which isn't a whole lot, but yeah. it could push, you know, some certain teams over others. And there's the teams with the visa issues, right? Whereas like maybe that two weeks gives them time to get their, as, as far as we know, there's still some visa issues and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, um, the teams that did have these issues, if they got their player over, that two weeks is incredibly valuable, uh, especially if we look back to Golden Guardians' last split, right? Because remember, when Gory came in, things weren't exactly the greatest yet, but as as Gory started playing, like they took off and went on a huge win streak. And it was like, oh, what would have happened if Gory was here the whole time and so on and so forth? We've had that conversation before. But and like, there's plenty of examples in the past where teams yeah. are getting, you know, due to their imports not being available at the early part of the season, they, they tend to struggle. Maybe, maybe the whole reason. Okay, tinfoil hat, JNT. We're getting back to, to uh, <laughs> tinfoil hat take. I had a I had a tinfoil hat take previously, but I, I I forgot it up until now until you mentioned that. Please please share it if it comes back. To you oh no, I know I know what it is, but it relates to like the LCSPA stuff. But I'll, I'll, after you say yours, I'll say mine. Okay, I, I like this whole new tinfoil <laughs> hat shit that we're doing. It's it's good. The players, I think. We're just like, dude, Zeri looks kind of strong. I don't think we really want to play right now. Maybe if we delay a couple of weeks, oh my God. we could wait for the meta to shift. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the LCK right now, man, it's Zeri again. It's Yumi again. Annie is in every game. Like, the meta is dull. And I know we don't want to do a deep dive into the meta discussions, but, like, bro. Yeah, I was I was dead wrong on my prediction of the meta being switched up, specifically bot lane, because bot lane is just the same fucking thing. It's crazy that Zeri's still sticking around, honestly. I can't I, believe it. I, so I pray long. to God the champ dies at the next patch where you can't, like, your autos don't proc Sheen anymore or something like that. I don't even know, like, all the changes, but... Anyway, so you're with me, yeah? The players were oh, just yeah. delaying mm -hmm. the two weeks? Yeah, I think 100%. Okay, well, my my one that I had about the previous stuff where it was the point where we were talking about like mandated healthcare for the imports and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking like 
it's kind of an like obviously it's something that makes sense for you know imported players just to have you know proper healthcare when they get there but like surely there was like an example that they used from the past that prompted this point to be existing like i, I don't know I, do i'm just mean? i'm thinking of a world where like uh, who's an import that came to na like a long time like piglet let's just say piglet came to na and he had some like massive like health problem and he couldn't get pro the proper healthcare cuz or, or whatever so i just I'm thinking that there's no way they created this point unless that there was some issue with an import in the past with regards to healthcare. But once again, I agree. Tinfoil hat. So, yeah. I mean, the thing is, honestly, that would actually be a fair reason. <laughs> like, that's not even like a. Like, I, I'm just going to agree with you because I love the tinfoil shit. But, like, that to me isn't even like that tinfoil, honestly. Like, if there was a player that in the past could have used some healthcare and they just didn't have it available to him, yeah, let's implement that shit. <laughs> So what, what you're saying is that happened in the past, but they just swept it under the rug. That's your tinfoil yeah. take? Gotcha. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. It's good stuff. Meta bad. Uh, and I, I already forget it. <laughs> what? My thing? Yeah. I don't Meta know. Bad Piglet had and, lung okay, cancer or some shit. Yeah, true. True. Yes. Piglet had lung cancer. Okay. We'll very, go with that. very good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Before we move on, if you guys are enjoying the episode, hit the subscribe button. Uh, hit the like button. All that stuff helps us quite a bit. Uh, we enjoy having you guys in the live chat as well. If you want to catch the show, we do them every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. West Coast. And uh, you can catch us at twitch.tv slash podcast and be part of the live chat and help us when we're being stupid and tell us when we're missing stuff. Happens quite a bit. Uh, let's revisit the Summer Split Power Rankings. We don't want to go on too long about this because we did it a couple episodes ago. So if you're curious on more of a deep dive of our thoughts going into this split, it is a little bit two weeks outdated, but there hasn't really been any games. So mm -hmm. our opinions shouldn't really change. And you can go catch our thoughts just a couple of episodes if you're curious. JNT, you want to just spiel them real quick for the listeners? Yeah, just, just to give the brief summary. Um... I'm not, I'm not going to go through everything. It, like like Blue Juice said, if you want the deep dive, go to episode 126. We spent like a good 40 minutes talking about a lot of the teams and the roster changes they made and how that might play out in summer. But in summary, both of us still have Cloud9 as the number one team, I think for obvious reasons. Um, and then you kind of flip towards the bottom. You, we are kind of in agreement that TSM, Dig, and Immortals are going to be towards the bottom. But that EG will kind of hang above those in terms of the the lower tier teams. But obviously, the most interesting stuff to talk about with this is sort of the middle of the pack. You know, both of yeah. our our two to six range is vastly different. Well, not vastly different, but the main things to point out, I think, are Team Liquid and Golden Guardians. You have Golden Guardians at two. I have them at five. I had Team Liquid at three, and you had them at six. Yeah. So I, I, the one thing that I also want to remind is that this is supposed to be at the end of the split. So this is like, if we have Cloud9 number one, we think they're winning the split. And if I have Golden Guardians number two, which I do, I have them losing to Cloud9 in the finals again. That's, that's basically how our power rankings go. It's not just a regular season power rankings. Now, I just want, if you could give me a quick reminder, JNT, as to why you got Golden Guardians all the way down at five. It I was remember us talking about like... I, w I was asking you, like, if you put them five, does that mean that you don't believe in licorice or something? It, no, like it was more the fact that I think the teams below them in terms of, you know, how spring played out are going to improve and get a lot better. I think that Team Liquid, they're not going to have that same abysmal start that they had in spring split where they were two and six and on the back foot, you know, from the jump and they really had to claw their way back into the standings. I think they're going to have a much more 
you know, measured summer split with less mistakes from the rookies and, you know, Summit is not going to have that atrocious start to the split and hopefully Piotr can get a little bit more involved. Yeah. And, and honestly, I don't even mind the uh, the Team Liquid, I don't know if it's Hopium, I guess, or Optimism, perhaps. Like, I don't know, I, I do have a lot of faith in those players, especially if they continue to play together. I think that there is still an area where you could argue that they needed to build up synergy still because they were getting leads, they just weren't closing out the game. And a lot of that could be pointing to synergy issues which a boot camp could very well help so I, I don't mind that um the other thing oh yeah the other thing that i wanted to mention was we were talking earlier about inactive players uh we don't know what that's going to mean for 100 thieves for example who apparently quit is still inactive ruby still inactive uh, coach kane inactive i don't really know if that means i feel like you could still coach um and rich actually active so dignitas buff i guess you could i, I mean it's got to be a buff right yeah. Over Armut. So that was one of the worries that Dignitas wouldn't have Rich, but it seems like he actually has his visa approved as per the player database thing. Yeah. Maybe this I'll is all, again this quick, is all but... info that's available on the global contract database. You can literally just Google LCS GCD and it'll be right there. Yeah. I'm just going to double check real quick. So Ruby still inactive. Quid still inactive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So nothing's really changed on it. But you know, interesting to see if you know, if Quid or Ruby or Kane or any of those players, if they're not there to start the summer split, once again, throwing it back to the two-week delay, think of how bad it would have been if the season actually did start on June the 1st Yeah, for those sure. teams and for those players. Yeah, and actually two other things to add. Dig, they added Svenskeren. Coach change, uh, I don't, it's hard to put a measurement to how much a coach change is worth but i mean svenskaren's kind of pog i think a lot of people are going to be happy to hear that svenskaren is back in the lcs even if it is just a coaching role and tinfoil hat time jenkins <laughs> going back to 100 thieves not going back but joining 100 thieves now it's weird that they signed a top laner where it's their mid laner that's still inactive on the player whatever thing right oh i, now, I remember where this is going now yeah, yeah so just by the way just because they're inactive now does not mean they won't be playing in, what is it, three days? Like, maybe they become active, maybe they're playing. But for now, we'll just assume they're not playing because they're inactive. They're going to put Jenkins in the top lane and someday mid. But the question that I want to get to is why didn't they sign a backup mid laner? And you know why, JNT. This is because they needed to sign another top laner to get someday back to his someday of last year when tenacity was right behind him. Yeah. We keep saying, and we say it tongue in cheek, but we kind of, I don't know, we're half memeing, half serious. Having someone fight for someday spot might be the reason why we saw someday have such a good year last year. To me, hundred thieves is five head. And they're saying, no, we're not going to sign a backup mid laner. We're going to sign a backup top laner. <laughs> And while Quid, uh, while Quid is out, we'll send like Someday mid and we'll have Jenkins pop off in the top lane. And then once Quid comes back, Someday's like, oh no, I got to fight for my spot against Jenkins who's popping off in the top lane. This is the plan. And I think 100 Thieves is well on their way to having, maybe I should bump them up from fourth to like second. As it goes for our outlandish predictions, this is definitely the most like on point one that could be true. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. It... <laughs> Anyways, thank you, 100 Thieves, for uh, mm -hmm. for making things interesting. Okay, on a serious note, though, isn't that weird? 
that like they signed a backup top lane. Maybe Jenkins goes mid. I don't know, but like I know that there's a bunch of mid laners that just lost their job. Wouldn't you think that they would sign a mid laner real quick? It is definitely weird. I'm just like I'm, I'm looking him up just to see if he ever played mid lane at all. No, he's not. He's always been a like top. whatever happened to their like even just guys that were previously on hundred thieves like Ryoma or yeah, Sanjo get Ryoma back in there, get him up Where in the mix. Dude, Ryoma, he subbed in for EG once, and he was better than uh, than JoJo. Yeah. <laughs> nah, if, if Papa Smithy was still on 100T, we would definitely, Ryoma would be getting in there as a sub for sure. Mm, fair point. The prize is not on FlyQuest at this uh, point. What's his name? It's like Joseph or Joe or Joey. It's, it's, I think it's Joseph. It's something like that anyway. i not even not going to lie. For a split second, I thought <laughs> this was going to a Joe Mama type thing when you said Joe. No. I, I had no idea what you were talking about. No. I, I, the hundred T GM. Yeah, I thought it was like Jungle Juice or whatever. Like that's yeah. Their... Isn't his name Joe? I, I might be wrong. I thought his first name was Joe, like his IRL name. I can't. I, I, I can't with this. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not. Not everything's a Joe Mama joke. I'm getting flashbacks, dude. <laughs> that's way too funny. Uh, but yeah, it is the Jungle Juice guy. I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay, anything else on the power rankings? His name anything is crazy? Joseph Jang. There we go. There I you go. knew it. Yeah. Uh, anything else on this, or should we move on? No, I think that's it. Uh, like we mentioned, episode 126, you can get the full deep dive there. Yeah. Um, okay, Disguised Toast comes out with a video saying, hey, by the way, I'm losing more money, which, <laughs> I mean... I don't know whether to laugh or cry because it's a little funny just like how open with the community he is. But like this is important stuff to know. Um, and one of the things that I think is so interesting is that he's just opening up a Patreon, which isn't all that crazy to do. But he's he's not even offering anything in return, which I think is totally fine. He's just saying, look, if you guys want to support our players, here's an area where you could do it. And I feel like we don't really see LCS teams go and do that. We've seen them do, there's two teams that I could think off the top of my head of Team Liquid and Cloud9 that do the Cloud9 Stratus, the, Cl uh, the Team Liquid Plus thing. Um, but even those were implemented quite a while ago. And the whole point that I want to bring up when it comes to this is like, it feels like we don't have, first of all, very many teams trying to open up new revenue streams. And two, the two that did, it's kind of been a while because I looked up Stratus before we went live and they didn't. They started Stratus in, in November 2020. So it's almost been three years. And I just thought it was really weird that we continue to hear of LCS teams not making money, in fact, losing a lot of money. And Toast even said so in his video. But like, there isn't that much effort to try to create new revenue streams. And the, the thing that I think is weird about it is like, you would think they would be throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. It like maybe there's not a lot of options out there, but like they're not really trying anything. And I just thought that was really weird. Is it just me, JNT, or shouldn't some of these teams, even if they fail at something new, shouldn't they be trying to make money? Because clearly the sponsorship dollars isn't enough, the merch stuff isn't enough. Like, what are these teams doing? No. Well, on the on the merch point, I think Toast had a really good point where he wanted to maintain, you know. This isn't verbatim or anything, but he basically said like the whole point that, you know, his philosophy with merchandise is quality over quantity type of type of decision making. Like he doesn't want to just release merch just to release merch. He even said it specifically with DSG, like he could have just made yellow T-shirts and hoodies, slapped the DSG logo on it, and they probably would have sold like wildfire. And he's probably right about that. But, you know, it did make it sound like, you know, merch is probably something he's interested in in the future and that he will inevitably 
tap into if DSG is still around next year, which is a good thing because I think a lot of people would buy it. And obviously it's a good way to support, you know, the team and whatnot. But I wonder what it kind of looks like from the team perspective, because we definitely know that a lot of these teams are struggling when it comes to, you know, their finances and their ability to field competitive rosters and have enough money to run and operate their organization. Obviously those funds seem to be running low and or are in the negatives because just with the evidence of getting rid of the NACL. So I wonder if it's kind of a situation where they are truly hurting so badly that all they are worried about right now is is like, you know, cutting off as much stuff as possible to save, you know, enough money. So that's kind of the world where I think that we're in. And I guess it's a pretty scary world because if the teams can't even themselves try to create new revenue streams, whether that's through their own type of subscription service, merchandise, whatever it may be, something as simple as like, say, hey, I'm going to make a Patreon and you can donate there. Like it must be truly bad, their economic situation, if, if nothing is being done, because it's not like, you know, just like you mentioned, it's not like something is being done. Only two of the two of the 10 teams have done something like this. Like there are no additional streams. And, and I don't want to pretend like we have all the answers and we know exactly what you can do to open up a new revenue stream. If it was that obvious, I feel like teams would have done it. What I am surprised at is that we haven't even heard of teams really trying new things. That's the crazy part to me. And one of the things that I thought was so interesting with Toast is, is he said, like, look, if you guys just sub for the five bucks a month or whatever it is, he'll just open up the books and kind of show you like how much money he's making and not making. That's what he said in his video that like he's just going to be completely open, which I don't think we've ever heard of any LCS team being willing to do that. Well, and if, I mean, not that this is super related to what we're talking about, but I think one point that we both have agreed on for a long time now is making these finances public, whether it's, it doesn't have to be the whole shebang, but at least part of it, I think would give both the teams, orgs and community a lot better understanding and perspective on these types of things. And maybe we'll be able to create some solutions, but you know, as from the outside looking in, like we are totally in the dark when it comes to the actual numbers, like the X's and O's of this situation. Yeah, we have an idea of what it may look like, but that's why I'm wondering from the team perspective, like, is it truly getting that bad to where like the only and primary focus is just like saving as much money as possible? Because if I had to guess, that would be that would be my guess. That's my only logical guess at this point is the teams are hurting that badly that they have no other time to even focus on these potential endeavors. Because when it comes to merch, like merch teams, like not all 10 LCS teams even like are that involved in merch. The only ones who really are, I would say, are Team Liquid, FlyQuest, Cloud9, and 100 Thieves. Like what other LCS teams are like actively releasing new merchandise on a, you know, monthly, yearly, or bi-yearly basis? Like EG was, I'm just not confident that they're going to continue into the future after they've dropped their whole LCS team and they're clearly looking to cut costs, right? Like EG had a new jersey this year and they had new ones for Worlds and they had a new one at the start of last year. I just don't think going forward we're going to see that much new stuff out of EG. So like probably one not. That, like, maybe EG, but I'm not even sold on that. And if I had I, to also guess, they probably only introduced, you know, a lot of those jerseys and whatnot is due to the fact that their team was succeeding so much and they were going to Worlds and MSI and whatnot. I mean, yeah, teams are only going to release new jerseys if they're at international events, but, you know, you don't have to do a bunch of other merch to begin with anyways, because you look at the bottom teams and they don't do anything. Like, when was the last time you've seen any merch advertised for Immortals, Dig, you know, Golden Guardians, 
energy slash CLG, like nothing. The, 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 now I think about it, all these teams are coming out with new jerseys. Yeah, I'm even like they don't it doesn't do really matter though, right? As far as like like merch is one of those things that like if if you're still planning on making money off of merch in the LCS and like that's your plan to make money, uh uh-uh. uh, like unless you know, you're hundred. Yeah, sure, right? Uh, but I'm talking about those orgs that you were yeah, talking yeah. about, the ones that, like, uh-huh. there's no point for Immortals to come out and advertise a New Jersey. No one's going to buy it. And uh, part of the problem is it's it, they're kind of too late. Like, they're, it's too late for them to even do that at this point. It, like, if they had introduced it, you know, a time when they were initially in the LCS, and not it didn't even have to be back when the team was succeeding in the early days. Like, even in seasons, I guess, when did they return? Because they were Optic in Season 8 and 9, and... And they came back to Immortals in 10, but that would have been the time to sort of implement something like that. Or even Dignitas, like when Dignitas got back into the LCS after being gone post, you know, season seven, like that would have been the time to do that. And you're kind of at a point now where since the league is hurting so bad, like you're too late almost, it feels like. Also, I need to call out two orgs because I just I forgot that how funny and stupid this was. So for the one for Optic, I tried buying their jersey when we went to Detroit that one year. You remember that? So then, so they were definitely in the league then in season nine, right? Yeah, Optic ran. They didn't have any jerseys there to sell. I don't know if they ran out or they just didn't have any. But like, I feel like there wasn't a lot of people that were like clawing their eyes out for Optic's jerseys. And when we went to the booth, they just had none. I'm like, what the hell? So there's that. So that was shit. But also Dignitas. Do you remember this story, James? I, I know. Dignitas. I order a jersey, guys. They send it to me. Well, first of all, they don't end up sending it to me. I don't, it just never happens, never comes. Then I, I tell them again, like, hey, I ordered a jersey. Then they say they sent one to me. That one ends up getting plucked from my mailbox. So I don't blame them for that. that. I just live in the fucking slums, I guess. I don't know. So it literally gets stolen out of my mailbox. Someone rips the door open, steals it. I'm like, okay. I tell them, I order another one because this one's not their fault. Fine. Order another one. They send the wrong jersey, man. The first time they just didn't send it. And the third time, the second time they might've sent the right jersey. We don't know. The third time they legit sent one that had like this gambling company over. I still have it. I just refuse to wear it. I'm like, this is not the jersey I ordered. Like, so even the orgs that like are desperate to sell jerseys just fucking suck at it. Anyway. I'll still always love that Immortals jersey in season 10 where it was like black jersey with the green Immortals. It was like a black shirt with a green Immortals logo and a red square that had like Honda on it or something. Maybe it was Toyota actually, but it was like the ugliest jersey known to man. It was hilarious. Anyways, the, the last thing I'll say bar the on, season on a- bar the season 7 FlyQuest jersey with the like the OG FlyQuest logo. Oh only my the God, only the was- true homies remember that. That thing is something undefeated else. FlyQuest. That was a time um, right there. Yeah, I guess the last thing that I want to say on the whole Disguised Toast video where he's talking about like losing money and all that stuff and just asking for Patreon, I honestly would not be surprised if Toast just being like, hey, if you guys want to support us, here's the link. I wouldn't be surprised if that does better than like Cloud9 Stratus, for example, because I don't know about you, JNT, but I don't even remember the last time I heard of Cloud9 Stratus or or Liquid Plus. Like they're completely forgotten. It feels like. I, I, I've given up I, on promoting it, but I could just be missing it. I've seen C9 promoting Stratus a decent bit, so. And, and I guess the other problem with it too is that like, isn't Stratus like five hundred bucks or something? They did drop the price, um, at some point, not like not recently, but not like 
a long time ago, probably somewhere in the middle, but I do recall them saying that they were dropping their price or maybe they like changed it to like tiers or something like that where mm. they like X dollars for tier one, tier two, tier three. And, I don't and the, remember the funny exactly. funny thing is, it, it feels like I'm targeting Cloud9 and, and Team Liquid for having something that failed. But honestly, I think they deserve props for trying something else. They're the ones that maybe it's been a couple of years since they tried something, but they tried something. And that's what I can't believe is that we're not even hearing about teams trying. It's almost like they're too embarrassed to fail at something else. Like, bro, if you're losing money, try. Try a new revenue stream. Try something. Try. Yeah. I, uh, that's the mm -hmm. end. Th thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Well, uh, okay. uh, yeah, I feel like we move on to our predictions. Let's it's, do that. It's Super Weeks here on out. We're back to zero totally, zero. New split. Totally uh, didn't forget to do this in the episode before we knew that there was even a lockout. Like, totally just didn't. Slip what are you our talking mind. about? We we just knew, I guess. Like, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's get her going. Let's uh, let's speed run the predictions. Okay. Rematch of the finals: Cloud Nine versus Golden Guardians. I will be sticking with Cloud Nine. Me too. Team Liquid versus TSM. I got faith in Team Liquid this year. I'll be rolling with them. Do we Liquid. both have TSM last? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so Team Liquid. Uh, Dignitas versus Dignitas. Immortals. This is interesting. I think we both have them interchangeably 7 and 8. Yes, based on that, I'll have to go with Immortals because I did rate them over Dig, but it's, it's very close at the bottom there. Yeah, I think both of these teams are going to have a rough split. So The, the thing is, I took Dignitas both times in spring, and I paid the price for it. And I could just choose to switch, but now I'm I'm going down with the ship. I'm going dig. They're gonna they gotta be like mortals once, man. Mm -hmm. Already we got EG versus NRG. Oh, another close one. I think this is my CLG. six and seven. Excuse me. What team? CLG. I'm okay. I'm. I'll go NRG with I'll go with NRG one. instead of CLG. Okay. Be. Uh, yeah, we both got NRG here. Although, I remember you saying when we did our power rankings that like EG is a team that's you shouldn't want to sleep on, right? Um, and I still do agree with that. I just also think NRG kind of buffed their bot lane. Like their bot lane wasn't was probably their weak point last split, and I think changing that to what is it FBI Ignar? Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a buff. So. I, I think this team should be better in theory. So I'm going NRG. Then we got FlyQuest and 100 Thieves. I'm going to uh, go with FlyQuest. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with FlyQuest also. I, I guess trust in Vulcan. Yeah, I mean, assuming... It's hard to say, like... Also, Jenkins might be playing. Yeah, exactly. Playing like mid or top. Like, there's, there's some potential issues with the 100 Thieves lineup. All right. Uh, Thursday now, we got Dignitas versus Cloud9. 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 TSM versus FlyQuest, FlyQuest. FlyQuest. 100 Thieves versus Team Liquid. Now, if it was a straight up like 100 Thieves with their full roster, it'd definitely be a lot closer. But assuming that they're not going to have their full roster and my faith in Team Liquid, I am going Team Liquid. Yeah, me too. Because they did the whole boot camp thing. I still had them sixth on my power rankings, which maybe I shouldn't have. I don't know. But yeah, I, I feel more comfortable in Team Liquid right now than I do 100 Thieves. We got uh, NRG versus Immortals. I'll roll NRG. NRG. I just realized how weird it is that it says NRG in text and then NRG like the logo right after. Dude, like it, the like, NRG logo is bit. almost not even a logo. It just says their letters. Like it's not even, like, they did not put a lot of time into this logo. <laughs> and then uh, last game that day is Golden Guardians versus Evil Geniuses. I'll go Golden Guardians. Golden Guardians. Then the first game on, what is this, Friday now? It's Immortals versus TL. I'm going TL. 
Me too. Golden Guardians versus FlyQuest. I'm going FlyQuest. Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. You have Golden Guardians at two. You had FlyQuest yeah, at three. I, I think I'll go Golden Guardians. I might be sad if they got the hangover, but the, the advantage that they do have is that they were playing together for the last whatever, whereas FlyQuest wasn't. Um, so I'll go Golden Guardians. Uh, next up, Evil Geniuses versus Dignitas. I'll go with EG. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, NRG versus 100 Thieves. Hmm. I think I'm probably going to pick NRG, actually. Yeah, me too, which means that we have 100 Thieves going 0-3 to start. But I had them fourth on my power rankings, but I got them starting 0-3. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I know that we have talked about the potential, you know, visa problems and whatnot, but I do wonder how that will affect their start to the season if it is a situation where they're playing Jenkins and some days going mid or some days top and Jenkins is mid or something's going on. So I, I do yeah. think that 100 Thieves might struggle out the gate with some potential uh, dysfunction. Yeah, I, I concur. Okay, then last game, Cloud9 versus TSM. Cloud9. Yeah, the El Clasico. It's, we need a new El Clasico at 10. this point of the LCS because C9 versus TSM feels kind of dead at this point. What would be the, like, how do you define that? And what would be the new one of that? Do we have one? I don't know. I mean. Like, Classico makes it sound like, well, it doesn't make it sound like it is like a, like an old, we'll say rivalry in air quotes, because we don't know what else to, yeah. but like, does that even exist anymore? I don't know. That, we might have to make one over time. Like, maybe if Golden Guardians and Cloud9 continue to play well. I mean, sure. Team Liquid and Cloud9 have always been pretty close. They really haven't had, like, a lot of premier best of fives, but yeah. they usually are always two of the teams at the top of the standings. Fair enough. Okay, let's do quick news, and that'll be the show. Uh, Yeah. Sorry, I, just, I was not even ready to get That's this okay. off the screen but uh we do got some quick news uh first one kind of actually big news um shocks announced that she's taking a break from the lec summer split will not be participating in it whatsoever but will be back for the you know the mega playoffs that happens at the end in europe and also at worlds yeah this to me is is a really big deal not because it's just shocks, but because, like, look, you and I have been very honest that we don't usually watch the in-between game content uh, in between games, especially for Europe. I don't watch any of it. One but, thing that I will say is I watch the LEC one more than I would the LCS. Interesting. I definitely watch more of the LCS one. But re regardless, what I do know is that there is a lot of people that are very vocal about how important it is to have shocks there or dash there in the LCS. Like... It, just because it doesn't affect me all that much it doesn't mean I don't recognize that it affects the viewers a lot. And I think, like, it's it's just too bad because I don't, like, obviously I'm not blaming Shocks at all. And of course not. She's going through some rough shit right now. It's just unfortunate that, like, some of the people that we have, some of the best personalities that we have, are we're slowly losing them uh, due to different circumstances. Uh, and even, yes, in different leagues. But, like, I feel like this is a big deal. Well, the other important thing to note that we discussed previously but you know kind of is in tandem with this is lore is not going to be a part of the lec the remainder yeah. of this year she's in the lck now so i would assume that the lec is going to go back to the kind of rotating hosts that they did at a certain point last year I remember machine from csgo mm -hmm. was in there for a few weeks so i would assume that he's a guy that they're going to bring in i thought he did a really good job i remember watching the lec when he was in there i was like kind of worried that he wasn't going to get the vibe of it whatsoever but he was like perfect plug and play. So 
Yeah, him and Shocks are both natural. Like I, I've seen Shocks do CS:GO stuff as well. Like they both, you know, they're just good at their jobs. So yeah. I, I suppose that just because Shocks isn't there doesn't mean you don't have anyone. But like, it is the person that people like to see on the desk. So that kind of feels bad. And hopefully, what if? Hopefully oh my she's god, ready to go. I just thought what? of this. What if they? What if they get Dash and he goes to the LEC? Oh, let's go! I mean, I I haven't seen any of his Dash. stuff that he was. Shox is taking a break to let Dash come in. I I haven't seen any of the Valorant stuff that he's been doing. I know he's been involved in some of the Valorant broadcast stuff since his you know, uh, non-involvement with the LCS. But I I can't really comment on even if he's available or what he's been doing lately. So I don't yeah. I don't really know. But yeah, we hope that Shox is doing better and hope that she's back for uh, the playoffs, like you said. Um, I'm works. sure that her plan is to come back. It's just when you're dealing with shit that she says she's dealing with, it's pretty unpredictable. So hopefully she gets better and comes back. Uh, after that, we got Maple back to PSG Talon. Interesting, right, JNT? Uh-huh. He's making a return. Obviously, TSM dropped him to save money. And the fact that he's going back to PSG means that we'll likely see him at the World Championship. That's cool. The only problem is you won't see him at the World Championship playing against TSM. Unless that is for sure. Unless, unless next year TSM has this godlike LPL team that we're assuming they're going to the LPL. Uh even that I'm still not convinced TSM's just gonna go over to the LPL and be beast, honestly. I'm not buying it, but uh maybe. My point is I would like to see Maple play TSM. I just don't see it being all that likely. Yeah, I don't think Maple's ever going to hear or see TSM ever again in his life. Okay, if Maple does actually, actually, unless they move to the LPL and Maple somehow gets they back do. into the LPL or some <laughs> bullshit like that. True. So, never mind. I rescind that, that point where he's never going to hear or see TSM ever again. Yeah, I missed that. That's a, that's a good catch, Jinter. Good catch. Uh, and then, oh my god, what the EDG stuff. This is something else. Oh, it's a banger absolute banger so if you guys haven't been following the lpl at all i know i've been following it a lot more since we've had no lcs but the edg there was a big rumor that came out that apparently leave their current ad carry who was a rookie last split who also by the way was insane he was one of the best ad's in the league probably just behind both elk and ruler a lot of people would say um apparently he was engaged in some prostitution activities during the spring split similar to Wang Feng back in like, what was that at the end of like season 10 and some other uh, AD carry that they named who was an LPA AD carry, but I forget his name. So obviously there's some cultural differences here. I To me, this is whack. Not that he did the prostitution thing, which by the way, that's kind of whack, but that they just sold him out like that and said, hey, by the way, this guy's seeing a <laughs> prostitute. Did you really have to do him like that? Couldn't they have just said, like, there's some issues or something? Like, don't get me wrong. We're always asking teams to be more. I think uh, part. I think it was more part because, like, it got exposed on, like, Weibo or something. It wasn't that, like, the team added him. I think that people just uncovered it. Regardless of who it is, like, don't do the guy like that. That's some pretty personal shit. I just can't believe that, like, someone saw that and was like, yeah, we got to leak this. We got to tell everyone. Uh, poor guy. But with Leave not being a part of EDG anymore. With one door closing and other opens? The GOAT, the LPL GOAT, most people would probably say, Uzi, he's back. 
He's going to be the AD carry for EDG. He's they they also signed another guy whose name is the Snake, who did play in the week one matches for EDG in the LPL. But the plan is obviously to get Uzi in there whenever he's ready. I'm so, hoping and assuming that he's not, you know, his wrist injuries have either been improving or, you know, he's able to play the full split and whatnot because on his time on BLG last year where he was kind of playing like the super sub role with, with Doggo in the BLG squad then, it was, I'm assuming, he was kind of like, a, what's the word? Cause, you know, I mean, he was on like a pitch count. I'll, I'll use a baseball term for you. To me, it felt like he was on a pitch count where he couldn't actually play or practice that hard due to his wrist injuries and... Hopefully that's not the case this time around, and he's actually going to be able to play full time. I love the baseball reference, J and T two fifty guys. This is for our listeners. This is impressive. Dude, it's because okay, I'll, I my bad. Should have went with minute minutes restriction or no, snap count. No, that was count. good. I, I liked it. You don't yeah, whatever sports in baseball. There's not a big overlap there, except for uh, you. Yes, I'm one of the few. Yeah. And maybe Cubby. We had him on the show one time, and I never even made the connection that he was saying he's from Chicago. His name is Cubby. I never. He's probably a baseball guy. Never made that connection, but okay. Yeah, um, nobody cares Lamau about baseball. LP in the live chat saying that the snake is low-key prodigy as well. I know Lamau LP. I know you're an LPL guy. Um, I didn't know about this. I just so assumed I he was a either. shitty sub. So I, I guess I, I should assume is, is the snake an eighty carry? I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah he is. Just I, I, that sounded like that would be fitting. I think that that signing is probably like, uh, well, it's backup for a couple of reasons. If the wrist issues are a problem, or if Uzi's just not that good anymore. Like I know it's hard for people to imagine a world where Uzi isn't good, but like even the best of the best can fall off when they're no longer playing at the top level. And I don't know how much Uzi's been playing, so. Okay, and he, and Lamar LP also saying the snake was rated at one point as one of the best LDL ADC prospects, LDL All Pro, which LDL is like their academy. So, um, yeah, to me, stop me if I'm wrong, anyone, but to me, it seems like there's just as much of a chance that this snake player, the snake, uh, could be playing just as much as Uzi, perhaps, maybe more. I don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe. I, either way. It- if that is the case, then it sounds like they have the the short term option and Uzi, and then obviously they can get potentially commit to this guy long term. So, yeah, they're doing decent. the hundred thieves someday thing, whereas you got to light a fire. Oh yeah, yeah, like okay. <laughs> Six man roster. I feel like this guy uh, is like only. Dude, whenever I look at his name, I think of like Snake, like the team that was in LPL like back in season five six. That was like when I actually watched LPL, but. Hmm. Not, okay, not that I watched it, but I like followed the league a bit. I like knew the teams and the players, but that their logo was fucking sick, man. It was like this golden like thing that was going on. I remember that team; it was sick. I have no recollection of this. I I guess just uh, I'll just reiterate. I still can't believe that they sold the guy out for prostitution. That I I'm not gonna get over that for a while. That's whack. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty funny. Okay, uh, is that it? That's it, right? I believe so. Okay, honestly, I know it's a short episode, but still longer than I expected. Uh, Okay, thanks, guys, for hanging out. Uh, We do plan to be back next week, same time, like I mentioned earlier. 7 o'clock East Coast, 4 o'clock West Coast. We will be covering the split. Uh, Should be a good one. We get LCS back. How how can you complain, right? Remember to subscribe. Remember to leave a comment. uh, Remember to like, all that stuff, and we will see you guys next time. This has been episode 128 of the Clown Fiesta podcast.